You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln Audio Podcast. Good morning. It's good to be with you as we continue in our series, The Habits of Happiness. Uh, This morning, if you're following along in your Bibles, you're going to want to turn to two places. Um, Obviously, we've been walking through the book of Philippians. So first turn to Philippians chapter 3. But you're also going to want to save a space to go to Hebrews chapter 10 this morning. Because we're going to be talking out of both of those passages of Scripture, um, both Philippians chapter 3, Hebrews chapter 10, as we are now in our fifth week of the Habits of Happiness. Um, Pastor Josh did a fantastic job last week talking about that. Um, Habits of Happiness. Bless his heart. Um, I walked in here this morning, and the first thing he said to me was, Jeremy, I was going to wear that exact same shirt, but then I chose something cool. Bless his heart. (laughs) My wife and I had an opportunity. Um, We took Sunday, we took Monday, and we took Tuesday, just the two of us. um, And we got away um, to intentionally invest in our marriage and and get to spend some time together. How how many of you recognize the need for ongoing investment in your marriage to not ever get to a point of being comfortable? And so the three of us, we got away for those few days and we were able to to really invest and, and every moment was cherished except for five minutes. For five minutes. And no, it's not the car ride from hell story again. <clears throat> it, was, it was five minutes where we had a little bit of downtime. And so I broke out my laptop and I figured I'd surf the internet for a little bit. And uh, I got stuck on a video feed of a giraffe. <laughs> how many of you know what giraffe I'm talking about? This. How many of you heard of April the giraffe? This thing has, April the giraffe, if you haven't heard, congratulations, you're the only one in the United States that don't know this giraffe. This giraffe is up in like some zoo in New York and it's been like ready to give birth for like six years or something like that. And everybody's like trying to watch this giraffe. I spent five minutes watching a giraffe stand there and mock me for wasting my time. That's what I did and I will never get those moments back. They're gone forever. It's amazing to me what in our society goes viral, right? So 2017, it started out, it's this giraffe. Uh, 2016, the biggest viral sensation to go across was something so like... I'm sorry, dumb, but everybody loved it. And how many of you guys remember the kid who had a talent contest and his talent was he flipped a water bottle. That went viral. And so the, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you're supposed to flip it and it's supposed to land like this. Everybody, so basically you do this. Wait, <laughs> just like this. Oh, I was, th- I really could spend 30 minutes doing this. I could do 30 minutes. Okay, I'm done. Um, but it went viral. Everybody's, in fact, even the, the cameras caught LeBron James during a halftime flipping water bottles. It's crazy what goes viral nowadays. It ha- so that was 2016. How many of you guys remember the dress of 2015? Go ahead, Jeff. How many of you remember this one? Yeah? The story behind this was there are two ways that people will see this dress. You will either see it as gold and white. How many of you are with me, gold and white people? Okay. How many of you saw it as black and blue? Because you're weird. 
I don't don't know how else to say it. You're weird. But you're right. Actually, the dress was black and blue. And it's all based upon how we... How many of you see it as black and blue right now? Wow, I pray for real vision for your life. (laughs) I totally saw it as golden. But it's all based upon how your brain processes what you're seeing. And to me, it's amazing that we can all sit here, look at the same thing, and see it completely differently. While it might be amazing about that... Today what I want to talk to you about in our habits of happiness is how sad it is that the body of believers, people who love Jesus, we can also see the same thing and have two completely different visions of what we're seeing. What I want to talk to you about is grace. As believers, we can all see grace, and yet we all interpret it differently. For the camp that's blessed, we'll just say that, they're blessed. They see it as the golden white dress. Gold is in royalty. You know, Jesus is king. We're, we're a royal priesthood because of who he is. The white representing freedom. Because of what Jesus has done for us, we can walk in freedom. It's the black, I'm sorry, it's, it's the golden white dress version. And then there's the black and blue version. They see grace. They appreciate grace. But grace is heavy for them. It's, it's bruising. It's black and blue. Because behind grace for them, somehow, because of their brain, they processed grace wrong. And all that they hear when they think of grace, when they see grace, you know what they hear? Earn it. Earn it. But one camp receives it. The other camp, with all of their effort, tries to earn the grace that God has given us through His Son, Jesus Christ, and the sufficiency of the cross. We earn it. And we're all conditioned in some way, shape, or form to fall into that camp. If you think about it, if you're honest with yourself today, all of us carry a little bit of that camp within us. I would suggest that there's probably not one person in here in some way, shape, or form who isn't still trying to earn God's grace. Somehow trying to earn God's favor. We were wired that way. You know, um, of all the things that God has made, and he's made some incredible things, the one thing that he has made that really so blows me away is the human mind. And the way it works, the intricacies, just the detail. Did you know that we have in our brain neural pathways in which we process information that literally can be carved into our brain. Things that we think of and we've responded to ever since we were youth. So when things come in our way, it automatically goes along this neural pathway and it just automatically we react to it and respond the same way over and over. Let me give you an example of what I mean. Um, I have, it's called a rut. I go home and without thinking, okay, without even thinking, I have a process of what I do. I open the door. First thing I do is I take my shoes off. Second thing I do is I take my keys and I hang it on a key ring. Third thing I do is I take my briefcase and I set it on the very same chair that my wife every single day says, don't set it. I set it there. And then the fourth thing I do is I walk over into the kitchen and I open up the refrigerator, even if I'm not hungry, because I just know something glorious is in there. I just know it. And I don't even think about doing these things. How many of you guys you have a rut? You have a routine that you do. For example, you could drive home and you're thinking about what you got to do tomorrow or what happened earlier. And all of a sudden you find yourself at home and you don't even know how you got there. Right? It's a rut. It's that neural pathway in your brain. 
I'd suggest to you this morning, all of us have a rut when it comes to grace. It's a rut that says, earn it. And you know why? Because ever since you were a kid, ever since I was a kid, we've always had to try to earn love. We've always had to try to earn favor. Whatever we got in life had to be earned, right? Nothing in life comes free. You're not given anything. You're in first grade? You want to get to second grade? What do you got to do? Earn it. Earn it. Want to make the high school football team? You know what you better do? Better earn it. (laughs) We even teach that Santa Claus makes us earn it. (laughs) You been naughty? Or you been nice? Earn it. And so, with this neural pathway literally carved into our mind, we met Jesus. And we discovered grace. And we saw a black and blue dress that said, earn it. I'm going to probably offend people today, and that's okay, because grace is offensive. Grace is shocking. Because grace goes against every single thing we've been trained to believe. But I'll tell you this. We've been trained to believe a lie when it comes to trying to earn the grace of God. All we can do is receive it. And I'm going to promise you something. In some way, shape, or form, you're struggling with it today. Until you come face to face with grace... Until you try to wrap your arms around grace and what it means to you. We can talk about habits of happiness for the next 52 weeks. And it's going to be a superficial happiness that we find. Until we come face to face with the grace of Jesus Christ. And what it means to our life. In your notes you can write this down. That happiness is not a destination to arrive But a lifestyle that you choose, I would say to you this morning, if you're not choosing a lifestyle of grace, you're never going to find happiness. Christianity, in its purest form, is knowing the personhood of Jesus Christ, not trying to earn the love of Jesus Christ. It's knowing Him. It's knowing Him. It's not trying to earn him. And Paul in Philippians is saying that very thing. He's going to be talking to a group of individuals. These were, these were Jewish believers. People who had come to know Jesus, but were used to following Judaism. And this is essentially what they were saying. Totally. The cross. Got it. Yeah, good. Faith in Jesus. Absolutely. That, that's right. But then on top of that, uh, you still need to be circumcised and you still need to follow law and you still got to do this and you still got to do this and that and the other. Um, basically what they were saying is you got to earn it. You got to earn it. But Paul's not Paul's not shy about sharing his feelings. Pa- Paul's pretty expressive on how he feels about such things. Philippians chapter 3, verse 1 through 14. Let's read that. It says, Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It makes no tr- it is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and, and it is a safeguard for you. It's a safeguard for you. I'm trying to save you from something, Paul is saying. Rejoice in the Lord. Now pay attention because you've got to be careful about what's about to happen. It says, Watch out for those dogs. Boy, he could just call it as he sees it. Those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. 
For it is we who are the circumcision who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus and put no, who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. What Paul is saying, watch out for anybody that would tell you you can try to earn grace. Watch out for anybody. Watch out for those dogs that would try to tell you, yeah, it's faith in Jesus, and then you got to go do a whole bunch of stuff. Paul say, knock it off. He goes, listen, if anybody were to brag, if anyone wants to talk about earning it, I'm the guy. I earned it. And he goes on to start to tell us how he did it. He says, if someone has, someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. I was a Hebrew of Hebrews. In regards to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for righteousness, based on the law, faultless. I was the man. I did so much to earn my way into the favor of God. But then something wrecked me. Something ruined all of that. That someone is Jesus. Then he would go on to say, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider the garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Paul saying, listen, the work, all that I did, it was nothing. It was trash, rubbish. My righteousness, my goodness, my earning it, it was all because of what Jesus did and nothing more. And he says, I want to know Christ. Yes, I want to know the power of his resurrection and participation in the sufferings, becoming like him in death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Now, verse 12, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what's behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul's saying, look, it, I'm taking all that I have, all my focus, all my energies, all that I have, and I'm pushing it into the middle of the table. I'm taking all my chips and I'm landing in with Jesus because it's only in him where salvation is found and right standing occurs. We talked about neural pathways, right? And how we, we instinctively move towards those things that we've repeated in our life over and over, those neural pathways, those ruts that we carve out. I, you guys have heard this, that it takes 21 days, right? 21 days to learn a new neural pathway. A new rut can be developed. You can literally start a new neural pathway in 21 days. So my, my, my thinking is this. Let's do it. Let's have a 21-day habit of happiness. Some things that we can put into motion, some things that we can do every single day, not as a way of being legalistic or trying to earn favor with God, but as a way of trying to understand and appreciate and be moved by grace. So five things I want us to do. Number one, I want you to write this down. If we're going to appreciate grace and be transformed by it and stop listening to the evil whisper of earn it, the first thing we have to do is this, is we have to relax in God's grace. 
relax in it. Some things sound so easy, right? But they're so hard. We relax in God's grace. Let me ask you something. When's the last time you just sat there and relaxed in the presence of God? You know what I do sometimes? This is how I start my time, alone time, my quiet time with God. You know what I do? This is really sick. You ready for this? (laughs) Lord, forgive me for doing this and this and that and the other and this. Is it wrong to ask for forgiveness? Oh, heck no, it's not. You know what I love about hanging out with my kids sometimes? So my kids don't have to hang out with me and just begin to list a whole lot of things of what they did wrong. They can just relax in my presence. I believe that God would want that for you too. I believe that God would want you just to sit there and relax in the sufficiency of the cross. That he didn't just forgive you for the stuff you did in the past. He's forgiving you for the stuff that you're doing now. And he's forgiving you for the stuff you'll do in the future. You are good in him. And to relax in it. Philippians 3.3 says, we Christians glory. (laughs) Or you might say, if you're from the 80s, you Christians are stoked by (laughs) what Christ Jesus has done for us. And realize that we are helpless to save ourselves. I hate feeling helpless. How about you? I'm a control freak. I was talking with somebody this morning, and, and, and we were talking about driving with our wives, and, and I can't handle it when my wife is driving and I'm in the passenger seat. I, I mean, she's a great driver, don't get me wrong. I'm just better. <laughs> don't tell her I said that. <laughs> I'm not. Yeah, I am. But no, I'm not. But I'm a control freak. I want to be behind the wheel. How about you? And I'm so sick that sometimes I make that uh, somehow without even thinking about it. It's the same thought I have with my salvation and being in God's grace. I got to be in control. There's something I got to be able to do about this. It can't just be about him. It can't be. That that, that can't happen. There's got to be a part that I play in this. I have to somehow be in control. I have to be able to earn it. You know why? Because that's all I've been doing all my life, and so have you. Grace is crazy. Grace is like this. Here's another way of thinking of it. Imagine if somebody walked in here right now, and, and, they, and they said, listen, I've got a free car for you. It's the, it's the car of your dream, whatever that car would look like. If it's a minivan, that's fine. <laughs> We're going to be about grace. Um, but whatever your favorite car is, and it's out there, and go, go, it's fueled with gas, and, 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 and guess what? It's, got, um, it's, it's ready, packed with all the stuff, and, 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 and you're ready to go to the beach. I, I set it all up for the beach. You're going to go to the beach. Take your friends, take your family, go to the beach. How many of you would be down for that? You can listen to the Carolina game while you're down there. That's okay. You don't let that disappoint. So, you're, you, you, so you get in there and you go. Everybody's happy. Everybody's stoked. It was a free gift. You cross, you cross South Carolina and somebody in the car starts saying, I feel a little bit funny about this car. It's just given to us. I, we, there's really something we should do. You know what? Let's stop. Just stop the car. Stop the car. So they stop the car and the person says, you know what we need to do? Let's get out. We should, I mean, we got to earn, let's push the car. (laughs) Let's begin to push the car because then we're earning this car. Let's push it all the way to South Carolina. And then everybody gets out of the car and starts pushing. How many would say, that's crazy? 
How many of you would say you do that? You, 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 what was given to you that was free, now you're trying to add effort to it. Paul talked to some people about that in, in the book of Galatians. It, it, I want you to read this. I want you to hear it, actually, in the message versions. Chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. You can go back and read it later. It says, you crazy Galatians. Did someone put a hex on you? Have you taken leave of your senses? Something crazy has happened. For it's obvious that you no longer have the crucified Jesus in clear focus in your lives. His sacrifice on the cross was certainly set before you clearly enough. Let me ask you this question. How did your new life begin? Was it by working your heads off to please God? Or was it by responding to God's message to you? Are you going to continue this craziness? For only crazy people would think that they could complete by their own efforts what God has begun. That's so good. And it's so what we do. We can't relax in God's presence. We got to add to it. We got to work for it. Number two, listen, we got to do this. We got to remember what matters most. Every day, remember what matters most. What matters most is this. It's the sufficiency of the cross. You can't add to it. You remember the story? I know you do. When Jesus was on the cross, what were his last words? And it is. And it is. It is finished. All that was needed to have you approved by God, it has been finished at the cross, and that's what matters. Third thing, because we're going to, it goes hand in hand, is this. Every day, get to know Jesus better. When you understand that the cross is all sufficient for grace, and then you start to begin to know Jesus even better. And when you know Jesus better, you understand that Jesus, is, Jesus isn't asking you to be weighed down by trying to earn his favor. He isn't trying to weigh you down by the guilt and the shame of the sin in your life from yesterday. You're clean. You're free. Grace has come. It's a new day. I I enjoyed um, watching my kids grow up. And I can still remember them learning things in life, especially when they're young and they're, and they're toddler ages. And you guys will relate to this. How do you remember when your kids were first beginning to walk? Right? They'd take a step and then they'd fall. And when it was your first kid, you were all scared. Oh, did they break? And you had another couple kids, and they fall, and you're like, look at how you bounced. <laughs> kind of funny. <laughs> they, they, they were learning how to do some other things in life, right? like learning to ride their bike. And How many remember them learning how to count? One, two, seven. Yay. <laughs> and then they finally, they'd finally get it down. One, two, three, four, five, and, and you'd throw a party because you know they're going to Duke now because they're that brilliant. <clears throat> and what we thought was so cute and so cool and so lovely with them learning to count, um, it becomes so sad. Because this is how we count now as adults. One, gosh. I looked at that one thing today that I shouldn't have. God, you must not love me. And and, and you can't. I got to earn it. Two, shoot, twice I raised my voice today at somebody. God, you must not be happy with me. I'm going to earn it. Three, 
got to pray at breakfast, at lunch, and at dinner. <laughs> you must not be happy with me, Lord. I'll make it up. I'll, I'll what? I'll earn it. And so what we begin to count is in all the ways that we've failed God in our minds. When the only number that matters in our relationship with Jesus when we count is the number one. Hebrews 10.14 says this, For it is by one sacrifice that he has made perfect forever those who he is still making holy. If you haven't got to Hebrews yet, you better flip. Because you got to underline that. You got to circle that. You got to highlight that. You got to rip it out of your Bible, put it in your pocket, staple it to your forehead. I don't care what you got to do. Because that's the antidote. That's the antidote to guilt and legalism right there. Legalism teaches us that we have to add to grace. Unwarranted guilt tells us that we got to earn it. Legalism and unwarranted grace, they're the ugly twin sisters of the father of lies. Each one of them whispering to you, earn it. Earn it. Hebrews tells us the sacrifice was sufficient. One sacrifice. All I've called you to sacrifice is something that I've already sacrificed. Jesus would say to us, listen, I've sacrificed and you are now perfect. I'm not asking you to sacrifice anything else. What I have done, I have done and it is finished and it is good. But man, we, we, you're trying to earn it. You know what it's like sometimes? It's like carbon monoxide, right? You don't smell it. You don't see it in your own life. But man, is it deadly. And it affects every single one of us. Here's another. Listen, I told you earlier, I took Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and went with my wife on a trip, right? Do you know how guilty I felt in the beginning of it? True story. You know why? Pastors don't take Sundays off. Earn it, Jeremy. Earn it. Tuesday, we had the sportsman's banquet. It, it was a lot of work, a lot of work. And I was in Virginia with my wife. What's the matter with you, Jeremy? Earn it. You know what you call that? Sick. You know what you call that? Bondage. You know what you call that? Absolutely the no, nothing that Jesus placed on me. I did it myself. Don't look at me like I'm strange. You do the same thing. You do it, don't you? In your own way, you do it. You begin to heap on self-condemnation and guilt in such a way that Jesus has never placed it on you. You just place it on yourself. And you know what's worse? Not only do we place guilt and legalism on ourselves, but then we give it to others. And we tell them, you carry it too. And And then we spiritualize it. I'm not trying to place legalism on you. I'm not trying to place guilt. You know what I'm doing? It's iron sharpening iron. No, it's not. Iron doesn't sharpen iron when one of those irons is guilt. When one of those irons is legalism, it always leaves the other iron dull and ineffective. If your iron isn't sharpening with grace and speaking grace, that other person's iron is never going to be sharpened. We project it onto others. Okay, I could preach a long time on this. And there's a game coming up, I heard. (laughs) Number four. Everyday review where I need to grow. So we're perfect by the sacrifice of Jesus. Perfect. Done. You can't add to perfection, right? But then he says, and I'm still making you holy. It's so backwards. Normally, we think he's making us holy, and then we become perfect. 
Right? That, that, that's common sense. Common core would teach that. <laughs> but at the core of who we are, it's not what we think, it's what God has designed. We're such doers. You know what God's called us to be? He's called us to be human beings, not human doers. And he's made you perfect. Yeah, there's things I want to grow in, but I don't want to grow in things that I don't want to change because I'm trying to earn God's favor. I just want to do it because I love him and I'm being shaped and molded into his image as he does a work within me. I'm, sign me up for that. But don't sign me up for having to do a whole bunch of do's and don'ts because I'm thinking I'm going to earn God's favor that way. It's not about that. It's about God doing a transformative work in my life just out of grace and love. Listen, we've been released from the bondage of sin, yet we're still trying to perform. How many of you guys like dolphins? How many of you know what a dolphin is? (laughs) Mammals, water. Um, How many of you have ever seen trained dolphins? Even on TV. Uh, true story in, in Key West there's these there were three dolphins and they actually escaped from, from where they were at so they got out of Key West and they went two keys down two islands down and you could find them by a pier at 11am at 1pm and at 3pm and they were literally performing hoping to earn some kind of prize they were in bondage and yet they're still performing. So are we. So are we. You've been set free. And yet you're performing. Stop. Stop. The Heavenly Father would look at you right now and say, You're perfect. You're perfect. When's the last time you thought of yourself as that? When's the last time you looked at yourself as perfect? When's the last time you looked at your husband as perfect? Ooh, we got hot in here. <laughs> when's the last time you looked at your kids as perfect? I guess what I'm asking is, when's the last time you looked at yourself and others as God looks at you and others? Because that's how he sees you. He sees you as perfect. God is calling us, gosh, God's calling us to get so far away from this learned behavior, trying to earn his favor. Number five, because you'll be wondering all week long what it was. Every day, don't forget, or I'm sorry, every day, forget what can't be changed and focus on the future. Stop living in the past. Stop living on yesterday's mistakes. Stop beating yourself up. Say it with me. Say what Jesus said. It is. In Hebrews, if you continue on, I believe it's in chapter, it's still same chapter 10. Go to verse 17. One of the most incredible statements in the Bible. God says this, that I will remove your sins from you and I will remember them no more. (sighs) No more. So, I'm going to be blunt. How arrogant And how presumptuous is it of you that you continue to remember what God has chosen to forget? I'm going to be even more bold. Who do you think you are? 
If he said it's finished, and if he says I forget, then let's live in the grace that has been bestowed upon us. Let's forget. Let's let's live in the land of forgetfulness. Forgetting. Forgetting. But knowing. Knowing who we are in him. Knowing where he has us today. And knowing this. Man, he's taking us to somewhere cool tomorrow, right? Because he promised that. I'm still making you holy. I'm still doing a work. Close your eyes this morning. I would ask you to open your heart and to hear from the Holy Spirit right now. Holy Spirit, show us areas in our life that we are still trying to earn your favor. second part of it is this Holy Spirit I want you to ask him this Holy Spirit show me in my life the sins of my yesterdays that I'm still beating myself up for today reveal that to me and finally what I'd ask you to do not corporately but individually in your own words in your own way just ask the Holy Spirit to take that from you to forgive you to speak peace into your life that you don't have to earn it anymore this morning God we're so amazed by grace gosh it's such a brand new way of thinking for us and we don't get it right because we got those old patterns in our mind but Lord we're asking you to renew our minds today change them are not minds renewed not to think in old patterns and in old ruts and in ways that tells us to earn it but god we want to we want to walk in the grace that you have given us help us see like you see help us think like you think help us respond like you respond gosh i pray for anybody that's carrying baggage in here today let it go god please help them to let it go to walk fresh and new it's a new day. Let them see themselves as you see them as perfect. Thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for that, Lord. And if you're as thankful for that as I am this morning, would you tell God we love you and amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.